Welcome back to another episode of City of Desert. I'm Father David Abernathy, and uh, we're continuing our reading of the Philokalia, in particular uh, a specialized volume on writings of the on the prayer of the heart. And over the past few months, we've been considering the writings of Hezekiah of Jerusalem, in particular his text on sobriety and prayer. And today we'll be picking up with paragraph 151 on page 309, if you happen to be following in the text. And in this section that we'll be looking at today, Hezekiah begins to look at simply some of the particulars of the spiritual battle itself, and even the various stages of it, that there is a kind of resistance that takes place, opposition to uh, sinful thoughts as they come to us as well as the constant invocation of the name of Jesus. And throughout this section in particular, he emphasizes the supreme importance of the invocation of the name of Jesus, that the battle will never be won uh, on our own strength, but only by the grace of God that comes to us uh, through staying in this constant state of communion with the Lord through calling upon his name. And so we began, as I said, on paragraph 151. Hezekiah begins by saying, He who does not accept the countenance of man, but condemns the iniquity in his own heart, will delight himself in the abundance of peace. In other words, he who does not accept the images of evil spirits and does not, through these images, devise sinful deeds, but judges severely and passes a strict verdict on the soil of his heart, renders sin its due. In some of their writings, the great and wise fathers called demons men, owing to their intelligence. The Lord says in the Gospels, an enemy hath done this, that is, sowed tears among wheat, tares among wheat, meaning the devil, since he says later, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. If we do not immediately oppose these evildoers, we become overwhelmed by thoughts. And so as we engage in the spiritual battle, we are to keep our focus upon ourselves and not on others, but also keep our focus upon the thoughts that come to us, and as well as keeping sight of the fact that we are easily drawn in to sin. When we acknowledge in humility our own poverty, uh, and so call upon the Lord in our time of need, this is when we come to know and experience a kind of delight in the heart and in the soul. Uh, if we seek to engage in this battle on our own is when we falter. Now in paragraphs 152 and 153, Hezekiah lays down for us the essential elements uh, to this spiritual warfare and how each element, uh, especially the invocation of the name of Jesus, is so important. He writes, having begun to live in attention of the mind, if we combine humility with sobriety and prayer with resistance, we shall progress on our mental journey with holy and the adored name of Jesus Christ 
which will light our way like a lamp. So humility and sobriety, a humble acknowledgement of our own poverty, a watchfulness of thought, uh, invocation of Jesus, the prayer, and then resistance that we en actually engage in a battle against these thoughts. This is when we begin to experience a kind of light within ourselves. He continues by saying, thus we will sweep the house of our heart clean of sin and will set it in order to, and adorn it. But if we put our trust solely in our own attention and sobriety, we shall be speedily attacked and overcome by the enemy. This is the important part of this section, I believe, that we can engage uh, in this warfare with it, that sobriety and humility. And even if we have these uh, things in abundance, if we fail to call on the, upon the name of the Lord, again, we are going to, to falter. He goes on to say, then these wicked evildoers will begin to overpower us in everything, and we shall become more and more enmeshed in evil desires as in a net. Or we shall be completely put to death by them, since we shall not have with us the victorious sword, the name of Jesus Christ. For only this sacred sword, if it is constantly wielded in our heart, swept clean of all images, can turn them to flight, slay and scorch them and devour them as fire devours straw. So the name of the Lord, the name of Christ, is the absolute uh, element here for us in, in order that we might know victory within the battle, that no matter how hard we fight, we're eventually going to be enmeshed in the nets of the evil one, or even struck down uh, by our evil desires. This is why the constant invocation of the Jesus prayer becomes so important. Many might think that the prayer feels repetitive, or it doesn't offer much uh, to us on an emotional or effective level, uh, that we do not make use of our image, images or imagination in the use of this prayer. And so there's a temptation, I think, uh, not to engage in it with a constancy. Whereas what we find in the Eastern Fathers is a, a call to have it ever on our breath, uh, to have it become like our breathing. So there's not a moment throughout the day that we aren't turning our minds and our hearts to God. This and this alone is what pre protects us and keeps us safe. Now in paragraph 153, he lays down these elements with greater detail that I had mentioned. He says, the task of constant sobriety, so fruitful and profitable to the soul, is instantly to observe the fantasies forming in the mind. So to be ever on the watch, to see them as they begin to emerge, even in their smallest and most insignificant state. This is how deeply we are to train the mind and the heart uh, to be watchful, that we don't allow any suggestion to begin even to approach us. The task of resistance is to denounce and put to shame a thought which attempts to enter the air of our mind by means of an image of some object. So to denounce or renounce the image uh, as harshly as we can, to put it out of our mind, and even, as it were, to use shame uh, to do so, that uh, we, we don't want to become lax 
or uh, weaken our conscience in this regard to consider things minor or of little importance, knowing that thoughts and images are, are used to seduce us, we have to treat them with a kind of holy violence and so denounce them, renounce them as harshly as we can in order to push them out of the mind. And then finally, but invocation of the Lord is that which at once stifles and disperses every evil design of the enemy, every word, every fantasy, every idol, and every pillar of malice. And we ourselves see in our mind the mighty defeat they suffer at the power of Jesus, our great God, and the vengeance he wreaks upon them for the sake of our humble, beggarly, and good-for-nothing selves. And so the, the fathers, again, are, are very quick to show us that Christ is the victor, that even as we wage the battle itself and might be victorious over uh, such thoughts, it's ultimately the power of the Lord and the power of his name that conquers the evil one. And so there's no room for pride in this spiritual struggle that it's only through the Lord's strength that we can overcome them. Moving on to paragraph 154, he begins to describe for us the nature of thoughts themselves, to be a little bit more specific so that we can understand uh, what the father, fathers mean here uh, as we seek to engage our own thoughts. He writes, many people do not know that our thoughts are nothing but dream images of physical and worldly things. But when we persevere for a long time in prayer and sobriety, prayer frees our mind from every material image of deceitful thoughts and teaches it to understand the words of the wicked ones, possibly the meaning of thoughts in general, what they are, or the plans and intentions of the enemies in sowing thoughts and to experience the benefit of prayer and sobriety. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. That is, you shall see yourself and understand mentally the reward of mental evildoers, as the blessed David says. So thoughts are dream images of physical and worldly images. Uh, they, there's a kind of unreality to them. That, and. Uh, that we often do, do not see or acknowledge, that our thoughts, our fantasies, our imagination can seem so real to us and seem as though they could satisfy our appetites and our greatest desires. And that's what makes them so seductive, that uh, we want them for ourselves rather than striking them down immediately. And so the fathers would have us understand the, the how they have uh, an aspect of fantasy about them or unreality about them so as, not, so as not to be seduced by them. In paragraph 155, he brings us back to, again, a common theme and aid in this struggle. And it's the remembrance uh, of death that added to the three elements that we just described, he puts forward remembrance of death as almost the most important aspect for us. He says, if possible, let us constantly remember death, for from this remembrance is born the exclusion of all cares and vanities, the guarding of the mind and constant prayer, non-attachment to the body and hatred of sin. 
To tell the truth, practically every living and active virtue arises from it. Therefore, if possible, let this remembrance be as continuous as our breathing. Uh, it's uh, quite a bit of praise for something such as remembrance uh, of death, of our own mortality, uh, to say that if we were to, to remember it constantly, like, as with our breathing, uh, it really does become the source of every virtue for us. We can gain uh, an almost immediate kind of contempt of, of the things that would pull us away from God. If we were able simply to keep this one thought, this one real thought in mind, that eventually we will pass from this world and stand before our God. When we have this constant remembrance of death within us, it isn't long before we begin to experience something of the fruit of engaging in this battle. And we begin, uh, Hezekiah tells us, by experiencing the, the Holy Spirit praying within us. And so in paragraph 156, he writes, if the heart is completely freed of fantasies, it begins to give birth to divine and mysterious thoughts which play within it as fishes play and dolphins play in a calm sea. The sea is fanned by a light breeze, but the depths of the heart by the Holy Spirit. And the apostle says, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so we begin to experience a kind of radical intimacy with God and understand that we don't simply pray under our own strength, but it is the spirit that God has given to us, having made us sons and daughters of God, that begins to pray with us and to strengthen our prayer. And with the strengthening of that prayer also comes a greater hope in the battle. Now, moving on in these final paragraphs that we'll consider today, uh, he begins to, to look at how sometimes we can doubt in this practice, that it is so rigorous and one has to be so committed that we can lose hope that it would bear this kind of fruit that was just described in the previous paragraph. And so this is what Hezekiah seeks to uh, address here. He writes, every monk will be doubtful and hesitant to undertake spiritual doing before acquiring sobriety of mind, either because he has not yet experienced its beauty, or because having experienced this, he lacks the zeal to give him strength for the undertaking. But this hesitation will undoubtedly cease as soon as he begins the work of guarding the mind, which is and is called mental love of wisdom our active love of wisdom of the mind. For then he will find the way of him who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, as with so many things in the spiritual life, it's only when we begin to taste virtue or taste the fruit of certain spiritual disciplines or of prayer and begin to see the real beauty uh, in them that we uh, develop trust and so often we will cease the practice of the spiritual life uh, because we've never tasted the, the wisdom that he speaks of here or the sweetness of that prayer. And so there is great perseverance that's needed, especially uh, early on, in order that that zeal might begin to develop within our hearts. 
He goes on to say, and again, he will hesitate at the sight of the abyss of thoughts and the crowd of the children of Babylon. But Christ will again disperse this hesitation if we place the foundation stone of our mind on him firmly and constantly and destroy the children of Babylon by dashing them against the foundation stone, thus fulfilling, as is said, our desire on them, our hatred of them. For the wise one says, Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And the Lord says, Without me you can do nothing. And so in the face of all the thoughts that come upon us and how relentless it can be, uh, a, a soul can shrink back in fear. And it's then that the Lord provides us with a kind of strength uh, to know that we need to only take up the battle, that he fights with us. And so with a zeal, dash, as it were, uh, these thoughts that come upon us in their infancy upon the rocks in order to, to destroy them before, before they can harm us or seduce us. And finally, in paragraph 159, he writes, He is a true monk who keeps sobriety. And he is truly sober, who is a monk in heart, in whose heart there is only himself and God. And I think this speaks to us directly, that what makes us a monk or monk-like is not living necessarily in a monastery or in the desert, but it is seeking what they seek, which is sobriety of heart. And it's when we have this that we we truly have God within us. And so the goal for the monk and for those living in the world is the same. Uh, the purity of heart through the invocation of the holy name of Jesus plus this constant sobriety. That brings us to the end of this episode. As always, I thank you for joining us and I look forward to seeing you soon. Mm-hmm.